Welcome back. The Brooklyn Nets lost by 86 points last night. Kevin Durant did an interview with Chris Haynes that just came out today. Some interesting quotes. And Kyrie Irving is coming back pretty soon. I would guess it's probably Sunday versus the Grizzlies. So a lot to talk about. I was going to wait until after that Blazers game, which I think is tomorrow night or maybe Thursday. I don't know. I don't even know what day it is. But after that Blazers game, but um, now seems like a good time because it seems like the Nets once again for about the hundredth time have hit rock bottom. So we're going to talk about it. Hope you guys enjoy the video. Leave a like leave five stars on the podcast, whatever, all that good stuff, and let's get into it. So after Saturday's win versus the Clippers, everything was looking pretty good for the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, Jacques Vaughn comes in, team's playing well, and we're actually excited for the first time in a while. And then they play the Lakers on a back-to-back, kind of like a trap game. I think the Nets were favorites by like five points. They come out, look flat the entire game. They did come back. They brought it to, what, a two-point game, I think, in the late third, and then they just couldn't make the uh, full comeback. Lakers got the victory. And you're thinking, all right, that's all right. You know, it's it's they came out flat, back-to-back, you know, it, it happens. Then they play Sacramento last night. Sacramento's been playing much better lately, and they hang 153 points on the Brooklyn Nets. Their scoring by quarter was 36, 37, 42, 38. And 153 points is the second most allowed by the Nets in a single game in franchise history, the most ever in regulation. The one that's first, of course, was that 2006 game versus the Suns that went to double OT, just still an amazing game. That was like one of my first years as a Nets fan. That's like an unforgettable game. There was one in 1992 versus the Warriors where the Nets also gave up 153 points, but that was overtime. So yeah, the most Nets ever allowed in regulation. Very embarrassing game. A lot of guys played like crap. Royce O'Neal looked terrible. Nick Claxton just, I don't know. Nick Claxton like looked really good for a lot of this season, but then against he goes against a guy like DeMontis Sabonis, and he makes him look like a kid. It, it's just like you can't have that. Edmund Sumner did score 18, but his outside shot was not working in this game. The last couple have been pretty ugly for him shooting-wise. Joe Harris, one of his worst games as a net. He looked awful. I guess the good news is that Ben Simmons actually looked kind of good. 11 points, his highest as a net, so that's good. But Simmons definitely had a different explosiveness level to him in this game, so if that continues in the right direction, then hey, maybe we kind of get the uh, good version of Ben Simmons soon. I don't know. That's like the one positive takeaway. Utah Watanabe was back making shots. That was good to see. But guys like Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, Royce O'Neal, kind of Edmund Sumner, um, definitely days to forget for most of those guys. And it was just awful. So overall, the Nets are six and nine. They did get to six and seven. They were just about to get back to 500. And, you know, they hit a little bump in the road once again. And uh, some more tough games coming up here. I mentioned Portland. I think they're playing pretty well this year. They are playing the Grizzlies on Sunday. No Desmond Bain, which is nice. I think he's out for a few weeks now with a toe injury, turf toe, whatever the hell it is. But um, the Nets kind of dodged a bullet there. And hopefully Kyrie Irving is back for that Sunday game versus Memphis. I figured that was going to be the game they were targeting because why rush Kyrie out to the last game of a West Coast trip? Um, So Sunday seems like the most likely date. And as I was eating dinner today, that Woj tweet came out about Kyrie, you know, coming back soon. So I do think it'll probably be Sunday, if not probably the next game. So Kyrie hopefully will be back. Will Kyrie fix all the Nets problems if they play like they did last night and even in that Lakers game? No, but having Kyrie Irving back is going to help. I think we've seen a lot of times 
during Edmund Sumner being in the starting lineup since Kyrie's been out with the suspension that Edmund Sumner gets a lot of open looks from the corner. And just imagine if those were Kyrie Irving. I mean, he'd be knocking those down at like a 50% clip probably. So not to take anything away from Edmund Sumner, but he is no Kyrie Irving. Nobody really is talent-wise. So getting Kyrie back would be nice. It's good to see Seth Curry back healthy, looking pretty good. But, you know, just when you thought Joe Harris was about to turn it around, he once again looks pretty terrible. So that's kind of unfortunate. Nick Claxton just doesn't do very well in certain matchups, and Versa Bonus was definitely one of those. So I do want to talk about the Kevin Durant quotes. That's kind of a big thing for this Nets team. So Chris Haynes released this article today, November 16th. And yeah, definitely some quotes I want to go over here. He brought up the whole Steve Nash thing, what happened, what happened in the summer, um, and kind of talked about why he wasn't enjoying the environment and the vibe the Nets really had as a team. And this is one of those quotes that stuck out to me. I put it on here on the graphic. So if you're on watching on YouTube, you can probably see it with me here. But Katie said, this was the type of S-H-I-T I was coming at them with. It was like, yo, y'all need to make sure everybody around me can make my life easier. Hell nah. I want to make sure everybody else's life is easier. Ask Steve Nash. You can go call him right now. I would say, yo, I need more closeout drills. We need to practice more. That's what I was on. So it seemed like from Kevin Durant's quotes, if he is telling the truth, which I do think he is telling the truth, that KD wanted the Nets to be coached harder. And he even mentioned that he wanted to be called out during like the uh, film studies and film sessions. And like Steve Nash, I guess, was not that type of guy. Steve Nash was not going to call out Kevin Durant in front of everybody. But I think Kevin Durant comes from a place where he wants to be coached equally. And and just like the rest of his teammates, I don't think Kevin Durant really wanted to be looked at like, hey, I'm Kevin Durant. Don't coach me the same way you're coaching Cam Thomas and, and Utah Watanabe. But it seemed like Steve Nash was never interested in being that type of coach. And it all goes back to that Kyrie Irving quote when the Nets were looking for a head coach and Kyrie said, we basically don't even need a head coach. And like just from that point on, it was like, man, these guys are never going to respect poor Steve Nash. And I mean, Steve Nash showed us that he was not ready for that coaching job. I mean, you can think what you want about Steve Nash at this point, but he was not ready for a coaching job like this. Maybe Steve Nash could have went to a Sacramento and could have done a good job, like bringing those guys up and, you know, coaching a young team like that. But taking over a Brooklyn Nets team that were the NBA Finals favorites when he got there, especially after that James Harden trade, um, it just wasn't the right move. So the Nets obviously should have went in a different direction, but it happened. Steve Nash was the Nets coach for a couple years and uh, definitely a lot of disappointments throughout. Wasn't all Steve Nash's fault, obviously, but he definitely showed he was not ready for that moment. The big quote that Durant mentioned here, this is getting all the attention, obviously. It's been posted by all the bleacher reports and, and all those type of like, you know, um, social media pages and everything. So Katie said, look at our starting lineup, Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? Durant asked Bleacher Report. You expect us to win because I'm out there. So if you're watching from that lens, you're expecting us to play well because number seven is out there. So um, if you look at that quote, you're basically saying, oh, Kevin Durant's calling out his teammates. But I also think the guy is being a realist. Like, I respect people that are realist. I, I hate, like, watching sports channels of people that just, like, always try to sugarcoat things and, you know, talk about their teams with rose-colored glasses on. Like, I respect what Kevin Durant's saying here. Do I think it's the best look for his teammates? Not exactly. But 
the guy's being honest. And I think he's also doing this to call out his general manager, Sean Marks, and saying, look, this roster is still not good enough, and your ass better make some trades or, or sign somebody because what we have right now is not enough. And I think every time the Nets play a, you know, I just talked about Sabonis, a powerful big man. Like, we've seen this versus Steven Adams. We've seen this versus Jonas Valanciunas. We saw this versus Sabonis, and that's just this year in the young season so far, just a month in, whatever it is. Not even a month in. I think it started on October 19th. It's the 16th. Um, the Nets do get dominated by centers in certain matchups. They don't have the size. Dayron Sharp, who is technically the backup center coming into this year, is just not ready. I mean, he's only 20, 21 years old. I, I don't really expect a guy like Dayron Sharp to come in here and be great right away. But that's kind of what the Nets expected because they didn't have much depth behind him. We, we all heard the interview, I'm sure, with Dwight Howard. And Dwight Howard was in talks with the Brooklyn Nets. I get Dwight's like 37, 38 years old. It's okay. You know, I get it. But, you know, the, Dwight Howard said the Nets were looking for more of a stretch five, a big man that can shoot. So they pass on Dwight Howard. But the Nets in a game like last night could have used a Dwight Howard. I'm not saying Dwight would have made the difference between you know, losing by however many points that was. But still, having a Dwight Howard, just a big body down low, that can at least guard a Sabonis at a decent level as compared to a Nick Claxton who is just still too skinny. He definitely bulked up and put on muscle during the offseason, but Nick Claxton in matchups like this is just not good, and Sabonis was taking advantage the entire night. Katie also had a quote about Kyrie with the vaccine thing. They asked him about being a leader, so Kevin Durant said, I'm not a leader, question mark. What the F does that mean? A lot of people say I'm not a leader because I didn't tell Kyrie to get vaccinated. Come on. Or I didn't condemn Kyrie for leaving the team, going out and living his life. I'm not about to tell a grown-ass man what he can and can't do with his life and dissect his views or how he thinks about you-know-what. So, yeah, I, like, this is another one I get because I, I don't think Kevin Durant's that type of guy. He's just not. I don't think Kevin Durant's ever been that type of guy to just be like that teammate that tells people what to do. Like, I think the guy, obviously, we all say it, he just loves basketball. He's going to go out there regardless of who's on his team. We saw this last December when he was playing against the Sixers and the Raptors with, you know, Patty Mills and a bunch of 20-year-olds. It was Kessler Edwards and Cam Thomas and Daron Sharp. And I think they went 2-0 in those games, and we called it KD and the kids. And that's, that's what I mean, though. Kevin Durant doesn't care who he plays with. He can play with anybody. We, we know that about Kevin Durant by now into his NBA career. He can play with anybody. So, Obviously, I'm sure playing with Prime Curry and, and Prime Clay and Prime Draymond, that was fun for him. But obviously, Kevin Durant wanted to go in a different direction. Maybe, you know, looking back on it in hindsight, maybe Durant should have stayed in Golden State. I don't know. Not saying that would have been all great, but still, you never know. But this is an opportunity Kevin Durant wanted to take. He liked the culture the Nets had, and the Nets were definitely building something great here. And when you hit your wagon to Kyrie Irving, you know, stuff is bound to happen, and it's not always going to be great. And we know about Kyrie taking that leave during the um, right before the James Harden trade back in 2021, like January 2021, whenever the hell that happens. And he also brought up the vaccine thing from last year, which, you know, arguably could have ruined the Nets' entire season. Now, 
with the way James Harden was looking last year, I'm not sure if the Nets were going to be good anyway because he just didn't look right the entire year. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like water under the bridge at this point. And here was the Durant quote about, you know, being held accountable and things like that. This is actually the first quote from the article um, by KD. He said, it wasn't difficult at all to request a trade because it was about ball. I went to them and was like, yo, I don't like how we are preparing. I don't like shoot arounds. I like practices. I need more. I want to work on some more stuff. Hold me accountable. Get on my ass and film if that's going to help you get on everybody else's head. I want to do more closeouts. I want to work more shell drills at practice. So once again, it's just like the guy wanted to be coached harder. I think just too much of what the Nets have done here the last few years, you know, outside of being a clown show, and this is part of it, they're just too laid back. They just think, oh, we have Kevin Durant, we have Kyrie Irving, we had James Harden, um, we're going to be fine, we don't have to try, and like, if we have the talent, we'll just get to the playoffs, and then, then we're good, and, you know, it almost worked that one year until they got hurt, but um, that just wasn't ever going to be the uh, case for this team. So Durant talked about how he just enjoys every moment, doesn't care who's out there with him, really, because... You know, he thought there was at, at one point in his career during the um, Achilles injury, he thought he might not ever play again. So he definitely enjoys every moment out there and talks about legacy. This was an interesting quote. So KD was talking about legacy and, you know, people talk about championship rings all the time and blah, blah, blah. But Durant had this interesting quote. He goes, my legacy is predicated on what Cam Thomas is learning from me and what he'll take away to help him by the time he's in his 10th year. That's my legacy. He mentions Andre Roberson, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry. Curry, Kyrie. So I think, you know, Kevin Durant comes from the right mindset here of like, my legacy is not all about wins and losses. It's about what I did to help other people that I played with along the way, my teammates. And that probably is the best way to look at it. Obviously, accolades are huge. Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, guys like that will always get credit for what they accomplished in winning uh, so many finals. But Kevin Durant to the game of basketball has been way more than that. Like, I don't think we've ever seen a guy like him before. Obviously now with like Victor Wabanyana, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but the guys like him, guys like even Brandon Ingram to a lesser degree, guys that are just built like that and can score like that, they're, they're more common nowadays, I guess. But, you know, Kevin Durant was like the first guy we've seen with you know, that type of size, those type of handles, that type of shot. So KD was definitely unique, you know, and that's kind of what he'll be remembered for, in my opinion, is just being like the first guy to be 6'10", 6'11", and doing things that guards were doing. So yeah, the Nets are at a pretty fragile state with their franchise, which is no surprise because it's been like that for a long time. But um, honestly, ever since like a year ago, I would say ever since Kevin Durant went down with that injury last year, the Nets have been <laughs> in a pretty rough spot, just like overall um, their outlook as a team, because that's right when James Harden got fed up and left. So right around that time last uh, last January. So the Nets have been in a bad spot ever since, it seems like. And um, they're going to hit a portion of their schedule here where they have a bunch of home games in a row. I'll just read off the games real quick. So at Portland coming up versus Memphis, at Philly, at Toronto, at Indiana. Then there's like seven straight home games of um, Orlando, Washington, Toronto, Boston, Charlotte, Atlanta. So six. Um, I think at that point right there, we're going to know who the Brooklyn Nets are. That uh, homestand ends on December 9th. And I think by that point, we're going to have a pretty good idea of who the Nets are. It seems like Ben Simmons is getting healthier. We'll see how much that translates and how consistent he is. He's kind of been held out with this knee soreness recently, so hopefully that's not a big deal. And they should, should get Kyrie Irving back on Sunday versus Memphis, hopefully. But yeah, the Nets, I feel like 
it, it just depends how this next month of December goes. If if it really goes bad, and they are just still well below 500, and let, like let's say they're like I don't know, let's say they're like 10 and 20 or something bad like that. I think they have no other choice but to blow it up. And like I don't want to think that way, but you also have to be a realist at the same time. I talked about being a realist before. I would love to see, you know, I've always envisioned Kevin Kevin Durant and Kyrie, you know, holding up the finals trophy and it would have been great, but I, I just there comes a certain point where you just you just can't do it anymore. And I think the Nets are kind of getting towards that point. I mean, I've mentioned before, the championship window, if there is one, is closing very fast on this team. And uh, right now, the Nets are very, very, very far away from an NBA championship, it seems like. So a lot can change in a year. You know, people will go back to the Boston Celtics last year. They didn't get hot until like mid-December or even late December last year. So you never know. The Nets roster on paper is not that bad. I think they should be a team that flirts with 50 wins when they're healthy. That's probably not going to happen this year unless things really turn around. But talent-wise, assuming that they got the healthy version of Joe Harris and Seth Curry and Ben Simmons and probably somebody else I'm forgetting, um, the Nets would be a good team. And I think the coaching has improved. I think moving on from Steve Nash seemed like the right thing. Jock Vaughn for that five-game stretch got a lot out of them. The Nets held five straight opponents to under 100 points. You don't see that very often with this team. Now, of course, they gave up 153 and then 116 to the Lakers. That's not very good, of course, or actually worse than that. But I would say before that, the Nets had been playing pretty well. And I do think the Kyrie thing is kind of taking a toll on this roster. I don't want to make excuses, but I do think there's a lot of frustrated Nets players with how the Kyrie Irving thing is looking. And Markeith Morris was pretty outspoken about it, saying he doesn't know why Kyrie is not with his team right now. And I think some players feel the same way. Kevin Durant definitely feels the same way. They want Kyrie back. And whether you hate Kyrie Irving or think he's a great player or whether you think he hurts the team or helps the team Kyrie Irving undoubtedly is the second most talented player on the Brooklyn Nets he's going to help and I get he might be a bit of a drop-off defensively from Edmund Sumner Edmund Sumner does make some really good plays on defense Kyrie might not be the same way but what Kyrie Irving brings to you offensively is way more than what Edmund Sumner can do. And Sumner did a good job stepping in. I don't want to kind of like, you know, dispute that or dismiss that. Sumner did a good job stepping in, but he is not Kyrie Irving. And the Nets also need guys like, you know, Royce O'Neal, once again, to step up and just be more consistent. We have seen some good Royce O'Neal games, but a game like last night, awful. Joe Harris last night, awful. Nick Claxton, certain matchups, he's not going to look that great. I still want a backup center. It'd be great if that backup center can shoot. We all want that, but those guys don't grow on trees. I mean, Miles Turner is the name thrown around the Nets all the time. And I just think to get Miles Turner, you'd have to get rid of like Joe Harris. And I don't know if the Nets want to do that because, you know, Joe Harris and Sean Marks have a great relationship. And, you know, speaking of Sean Marks, depending on how this next month goes or whatever, I think it's getting to a point where he might be gone. I, I think Sean Marks did such a great job, I will always say this, of getting the Nets out of hell, you know, having like no assets and getting them to the playoffs in like three or four years. That was amazing. I, I think Sean Marks did a job that seemed pretty impossible at the time. And then, you know, he's able to bring Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving to Brooklyn. He made the Nets look attractive. He got them to Brooklyn. So that was great. But, um, I would say ever since the James Harden trade, he has just been awful. And, you know, even the offseason prior, like signing Jeff Green was big. 
the Landry Shamit trade kind of paid off. I forget if they traded. I think they traded for him. I forget who they traded, but they traded for Landry Shamit. That paid off. Um, he was making good moves at that time. And then it's just like the Harden trade happened and just something switched. And he was awful last year. You know, the signings of like DeAndre Bembry and James Johnson, they were not doing it. And even uh, trading Shamit to bring in Javon Carter, like that was awful as well. So. I just think the Nets roster-wise have had plenty of flaws the last couple of years, and Sean Marks definitely deserves blame for how bad this is getting. I am also not a fan of the Nets owner, Joe Sy. I think he has been an awful owner so far. I just think Sy is way too involved and just like, he wants to put his stamp of approval on everything. It's just like, you just I just don't think he's a basketball guy. Like I just don't think Joe Sy is good for the Nets, and I just haven't seen much of that so far. It seems like it seems like every time there's conflict, it's his wife that's kind of resolving all the problems. It's like always his wife. He she kind of was the one that was in the meeting with Kevin Durant over the summer and got things back on track and got KD back to the Nets. And I think his wife may have been in the meeting with Kyrie recently. I forget, but like it just, I just Joe Sy is not doing it for me. He, I think most Nets fans can agree he has not been a good owner so far. So I don't know if that's going to change, but we'll find out. And I actually want to bring this point up before we sign off here. So, like, the Nets don't have size, as we know. Like, they definitely, even having Markeith Morris as a backup center is not what you want. Even Ben Simmons being the backup center now is also not what you want. But I was looking at it. I'm thinking about the Boston Celtics, right? They don't have anybody over 6'9". That's playing a significant role with this team. And I don't think Rob Williams has played this year. I'm pretty sure Rob Williams has missed this entire season so far. So like that's their best center, especially defensively. He has not played a minute this year. And Al Horford, 6'9", he's a stretch four, stretch five. You have Luke Cornett, who plays like 10, 11 minutes a night. So I don't want to count him, but he's 7'2". But the Boston Celtics get it done. They're 11 and three. They don't have a guy who's a big seven-foot girthy dude. Like, they don't have that. They have Noah Vonley. Okay, you know, he's 6'10". He's Noah Vonley, too. I, I just think there's too many excuses with the Nets sometimes. I still think a center is what this team needs because coming into the year, there was too much being asked of Dayron Sharp. I think we all knew that. You saw the center depth. Nick Claxton, Dayron Sharp. You needed a guy either in front of Claxton or right behind Claxton. You needed somebody at that level because what they have right now is not enough. And when they play the Valanchunas of the world and the Steven Adams and the um, Sabonises and the Joel Embiid's, that's a problem. Every single time the Nets play a guy like that, that's a problem. When I realized Sabonis plays for the Kings last night, I was like, oh, here we go. He's going to have one of those 20-20 type games and just be amazing. So, yeah, it's just annoying knowing that every time the Nets go into a matchup like that, they're going to get destroyed, and it's just not fun. So I do hope some roster adjustments are made, and that's what I want. Either you go all in right now if you're Sean Marks, or you start trading pieces away. That's it. I, I, I just, I don't know. It just the Nets playing in the middle here, like they're doing the past year or so, it's just not doing it for me. Like they they went all in, they made the James Harden trade, it seemed like it was gonna work out. Injuries happened, vaccine mandate, okay. But now they're kind of stuck in the middle. They're in this like area of like, oh, you know, we're in the championship conversation, but we're not all in. And like I just want the Nets to go all in. If you think trading, you know, Joe Harris away and trading away um 
Patty Mills, which will probably never happen. I hope it does. But if that's going to make the team better, you do it. If you have to attach draft picks to do it, you do it. If you This is the window you have to capitalize on. Kevin Durant is probably going to be the best player in Nets history. You might as well take advantage of this window while you have it. So, you know, the team seems bought into the coach for now. Keyword is for now. But, you know, for now they're bought in. Like now is the time to strike. If you're Sean Marks, go out there and make a move. You know, we did this with James Harden not too deep into the season. It was pretty early on because the year started, I think, I think December 23rd was the first game that year. And they traded for James Harden on like January 15th or something. So make the move. You know, I don't know who that guy is. I really don't know. Of course, Miles Turner's brought up every time. If you think Miles Turner's that guy, go get him. I don't even care. I, I get he's injury prone, but if Sean Marks thinks he's going to get the Nets over the top and really solve an issue for this team, which is a stretch five, then you do it. If you have to lose Joe Harris, all right, so be it. I love Joe Harris, but he has not been the same guy, at least consistently for a while. So I do think with the Kevin Durant quotes today, there is some more pressure put on the front office and even Joe's side to a degree. And it's kind of interesting that the Kyrie Irving news came out just a little after that, you know, KD article came out. So not sure if that's a coincidence or not, but that's the way it played out. So um, anyway, that's going to do it for the video. I was going to talk to you guys after that Blazers game, but now I don't know. I'll look at the schedule real quick. Sunday night, probably not because, you know, Giants football season not going to happen. Maybe after that Philly game on Tuesday. I know they play a back-to-back with Toronto right after, but I'm sure Nets versus Sixers at Philly will be a fun game. So I might talk to you guys after that. If not, probably on Wednesday night after that Toronto game. But anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the video. Leave in the comments how you feel about the state of the Nets. Should they trade for players or should they just blow the whole thing up? Because I think both arguments can be made. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the video and I'll talk to you guys next time.